Welcome to The Step by Pop Sugar, a podcast for and about unstoppable women presented by Sorel Footwear. I'm author and speaker Lovey Jai Jones. On last season, we heard inspiring stories about amazing women who stopped at nothing to achieve their dreams. This season, we're celebrating bold, brilliant women who stand up for what they believe in, fight for the greater good, and help the communities to take the next step forward. So join us. So many of us want to make a difference, but we're told we can't or that just one voice, one person won't change things or that simply we don't have what it takes. I would have said that that is the most ableist thing I've ever heard in my life. And if she thinks that this is okay, she needs to get fired. That's model, actress, and activist Jillian McCardo. As a Latina who uses a wheelchair, she didn't see people like herself in the fashion industry, even though she knew that's where her passion lied. She studied at FIT, landed an internship at Allure, and eventually became the first disabled person to appear on the cover of Teen Vogue. She's seen her face on a billboard in Times Square for a campaign with Olay. She's appeared at Pop Sugar Playground, and now she's using her career to be a voice for the disabled community. Jillian, welcome to The Step. Thank you for having me. Such a great introduction. (laughs) You're epic. I mean, you've done so many amazing things in your life, so of course your bio is epic. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> so I want to get started by asking you, how did you get into fashion and acting? Mm, two different worlds mm-hmm. um, that happened in two different different time zones of my life. But we shall start from the beginning. Yes. Fashion has always been kind of, I want to say, in my blood. I think I've known about it even before I knew the word. Mm. or what it actually was. Um, My parents both had something to do with it. Uh, My mom was a seamstress, and she was working in one of the only standing factories in New York City as an embroiderer. And I believe it was like in the Soho area or something like that. Um, So Mm -hmm. she would bring her work home. And I vividly remember like sitting next to her while she was sewing or like stitching or whatnot. Um, and asking all of like these obnoxious questions that I didn't really know, you know, like why did she pick the color she picked or why mm-hmm. is this certain thread, you know, you know, for this certain sleeve or whatnot. So that I was always engaged and interested. And my mom would tell me that from my two younger sisters, like I would annoy her the most <laughs> when she was working because I was so fascinated with it. And my father at the time, he was working as a shoe salesman um, also in Soho or around Soho. So he would bring a lot of like shoes for my mom and I would ask him questions like, you know, what is crocodile skin? Do they actually like, is this a real crocodile or is it just Mm. a name? Pretend to wear it and just like, you know, do like a runway without even knowing what a runway was. So yeah, that's that interest of fashion always came, always like was in me. And I think that I didn't take it seriously until I was a senior in high school. Um, to look for colleges and my friend introduced me to the world of fashion and that I actually have a career in it. So I went to FIT in New York, which is Fashion Institute of Technology, studied marketing, wanted to know the business behind it because, and and I didn't like picture myself as a model per se, like Mm -hmm. I am at the moment, because with my hoarding of magazines when I was younger, Um, I just didn't see myself reflected back. So, you know, if you don't see something, it's obviously not there. So in my mind, it wasn't like, oh, what's going on? Why is there no representation? I just in my mind was like, oh, I guess people like myself aren't allowed 
to be models Mm. or aren't allowed to be designers or whatever. This is just for like this specific group of people. So in my like crafty mind, I was like, okay, well, how about I just become a fly on the wall and study fashion and be behind the scenes Mm. and hire these people. So maybe with my work and like dedication, I can kind of alter it and have someone myself be on the cover, have someone like myself be in editorials without actually imagining that I just had to really look at myself in the mirror and I would be the person that I was looking for. Um, yes. Yeah. So that's yes. that was the gen. That's the beginning of it all, really. When we are looking for a version of ourselves and whatever we want to do or be, and we don't find it, we often have to become the examples that we're looking for. Yeah. A hundred percent, you know, and that, you know, in itself, like looking back, I was like, damn girl, that is powerful as hell. And you had no idea, you know, and I am so grateful that I had such a powerful and strong surrounding with my mom and my sisters and just, you know, they never kind of denied my, I don't want to say illusions, but like my dreams and um, something that wasn't, there was no path to specifically. There was no books. Mm -hmm. There was no like guideline. It was just like me, like, let's see what happens. Um, When, which in hindsight, it's also a small privilege that I, you know, that I know and that I have and I took advantage of. I want to say now to better society and better how we represent different communities to see reflected back in anything. So you didn't have dream killers. I had, I had, you know, I had those like people that like, just because I was physically disabled, thought that this was all a joke for me. Mm. You know, I had those little like mosquitoes around that just want to suck your blood. Yeah. And then that's it. They only want to suck your blood and that's it. (laughs) And they leave you with the itch. Right. But uh, other than that, like, I think that because I have such a strong family based Um, When I came back home, it was so different from my school experience that it kind of always helped and and strengthened my, you know, dedication to, hey, maybe this might work situation, you know? I love the fact that your family helped give you the power to know that it was possible, whatever you wanted. When you were diagnosed with muscular dystrophy, how did you deal with being othered? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, interesting story because when I was born, according to my mom's like viewpoint perspective, everything was fine. I was born, yay me. Um, and <laughs> then when I was around three or two and a half or something like that, I just didn't crawl like other kids. After my mom took me to another hospital, they were like, hey, your daughter actually has a disability and is cerebral palsy, not muscular dystrophy whatsoever. Oh. Um, yeah. So they misdiagnosed me from the age of three to when I was really nosy one day when I was like 13, 14. And I asked my doctor and I was like, hey, um, why does my paper say that I have muscular dystrophy when I have cerebral palsy? And they're like, wait, what? And they're like, no, you don't have cerebral palsy. And I was like, yes, I do. Because why have I been taking all these tests and all these like, you know, experiments with the brain when I never had cerebral palsy? So there was a whole mess dealing with that. Um, So that's why I kind of say that I was diagnosed when I was a teenager, because that's when I personally knew that I had muscular dystrophy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's pretty. Whoa. That <laughs> when is, I realized that. 
so fascinating because you had you not asked the question, you would you might still think you had Probably. cerebral palsy. Yeah, you know, and um, when I was younger too, just to give like a hindsight of why I didn't like push to know, because a lot of, a lot of people ask me like what level I am or you know, when you were younger, um, did you read upon your, your um, disability? And I truly, not that I didn't want to read about it, but it, for me, there was like other things that I wanted to do besides knowing more about my own disability, if that makes sense. Like yep. I wanted yep. to like go to the park and play with my Barbies and like watch cartoons. And it was never really in my book of um, wanting to know what my disability was more about because I was what I want to assume fine in my mind, in my world, my, my mom never raised me as an other. Yes. If I, you know, if I, um, I don't know, was like a bad kid that day, she would let it be known. <laughs> she would let it be known and I would have detention and I would get the same punishment as my younger sisters. There was nothing you know, I didn't get extra privileges because I had a disability. Mm-hmm. So in my world at home, I was sure I knew that like I had brace leg braces when I grew up and I had to go to the doctors more than my sister, but that was my reality. So it didn't seem horrible to me. Yeah. It was just your mother it, basically it, normalized it. Yeah, it was just it is what it is, you know? It wasn't nothing grand in my eyes. So when uh, you know, when I did get the real diagnosis of what I have, um, I was just like, okay, cool. This is just another name. And Mm -hmm. that's pretty much it. (laughs) And then just keep pushing. Because for me, my body really never changed. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually people who have muscular dystrophy, it deteriorates their muscles as years go by. Some people, it's a spectrum also. Disabilities, you know, even though you're diagnosed with something, there's still like a gravity and levels of the individual person. Yeah. Um, and for me, it was it it never really changed and it still hasn't really changed even as an adult, um, which I'm very grateful for. But also I think that there needs to be a lot more conversation with not assuming and stereotyping a person just for their specific disability and assuming that they'll have A, B, C, D and, and E, you know. That's an, that's actually an important point that I want to drill down on is the idea that the spectrums within the various diagnoses are also important because people will hear one thing and be like, oh, I know somebody who has that and assume that they know what that person's disability entails. Right. You know, there's a lot of people who have um, cerebral palsy or have muscular dystrophy who are ambulatory and they can walk as, you know, as far as they can, but not every single person can. I can't, but there's a lot of people who can you know, and it, even though we have the same diagnosis, it doesn't mean yeah. we have the same thing. I mean, not even twins have the same like life or thoughts. Exactly. So how, what is the most misunderstood thing about your life? Oh, about my life? Yes. Oh, wow. Um. Oh, wow. Um. Girl, some people be thinking I am a millionaire. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know where. I like to know to where they're getting these facts from. I think bold women and dope women like you sh- are the ones who should be rich. I want that generational, you know, I want to pass it down. I want my like yes. family to get, you know, what they need to get situation. But um, I think, you know, it also falls into a lot of misconceptions that people with disability have, mm-hmm. which is, you know, not having love lives, not being fashionable, 
not wanting careers, not wanting to live on their own, thinking that like asking for help for someone else is like uh, uh, that person being less than. Mm-hmm. Um, asking for just basic health insurance. A lot of people assume that people with disabilities get it for free like that, which in reality, no. There's a lot. There's been a lot of deaths, especially right now with mm-hmm. this pandemic happening, where people who have disabilities aren't getting the health care that they need because they're assuming they're not disabled enough, which facts, mm-hmm. it is a real thing that people will look at wow. you and say you're not disabled enough, so you're not going to get this care. There's a lot of like misconceptions that I hopefully in my lifetime I can see change as far as like figuring out how can we as a community come together and help, you know, each other rise because it's the only way we're going to move forward. And also just, you know, a little side note, um, any person in this planet could be disabled at any given time. Yeah. And I think that once we really understand that that's a reality to so many people, then we can make this world a little bit more accessible to every single person. That is a great point. And there are a lot of people who are actually living with silent disabilities that- Invisible ones, for sure. Invisible ones that everyone now has to, they have to contend with the fact that people will want to know why they can't get up for work that day. Mm -hmm. And so it's even, it's such a interesting way how we deal with disability in general. Mm -hmm. So you talked about how everyone thinks you're a millionaire. The reason is because you've been showing up fiercely, (laughs) you know, publicly and you're on covers. And so I actually want to know what was the first fashion front of the camera gig Mm. that you got? Mm. Yes. My favorite. Um, My first one, again, like I got lucky with a capital L with my first official job as a model. And that was a worldwide campaign with Diesel. It was a spring spring, summer campaign. Girl, my face was on billboards. Yes. Why not you? Honey. I was, um, I remember specifically, I, they invited me to go to Venice, Italy, which I've never been before. And I was like, oh my God, I just won the lottery. And <laughs> getting out of the airport, my face was like in a 60 foot billboard wow. right outside the airport. And I was just like, cool, that is me. <laughs> That's epic. Yeah. So from there, what is what other campaigns did you have that blew your mind? Oh, honey, being in Times Square, I don't even, I still pinch myself. I mean, it is like, like, I still have no words on how to communicate on how epic, not only being a New Yorker, having a billboard, but being someone who is physically disabled, being in a beauty campaign or skincare print campaign, sorry, um, in the middle of Times Square. Because you're in the intersection of three, at least three marginalized identities. Four. Yes, <laughs> four. So, which? How do you affirm yourself in a world that one marginalized identity will have you behind? If you, you know, in ways that you might not even be clear of. How do you affirm yourself in moments? So, I like to say that I am a four-dimensional spiritual being. Hmm. I identify as a woman. I identify as queer. I identify as Latinx. Identify as disabled, and all of those superpowers together literally put me in the position that I am right now. And I try to get all of those, um, every and every work that I do, and in everything that I speak of, and you know, talk to even my friends. I always try to make sure they understand that those communities exist and they're valid and they should be heard. And that's what makes me me. So you either with me or girl, you better go over there. <laughs> 
So can you tell us a time when you were told no or you can't mm. that inspired you to step forward anyway? God, I feel like that's like a very daily situation. But um, mm -hmm. cause there's a lot of microaggressions that people have that per they project on other people that may not have the same ability as they do or the same privileges that they do. Um, so there is a lot of like that happening um, all the time. Um, my first time going to Fashion Week as a volunteer, mm -hmm. um, at the time this was at Bryant Park. If some people remember Bryant Park, good old days. Good old days. Back in the days. <laughs> um, I signed up through my college because they had a bulletin board saying whoever wants to help set up Fashion Week, here's, you know, a clipboard, write your name and we'll call you. And my school, you know, called me and they're like, Jillian, we need somebody on Wednesday at 3 p.m., I believe. Can you make it? And I was like, heck yeah, I can make it. This is like my way in, kind of like to see the scope of it all. It's, you know, it's why people intern, you know, other than getting a credit for school. It's about like being in the world without being in the world. Mm -hmm. um, so that was like my way. I was like, OK, this is my way in. Um, mind you, again, I didn't think about accessibility because I just assume I assumed it would be accessible. I assumed that people wouldn't have a problem with me being there. Um, and that may sound naive at the moment or now for me, but um, that was, I'm like, I just want to be there. And my beautiful, innocent self, when six in the morning, had my, my, you know, my clothing packed the night before, I slept early. I think it was like at 10 p.m., which is crazy to sleep at 10 p.m. <laughs> when you're in college. <laughs> But uh, I was like, all right, you know, I had a little water next by beside my bed, woke up, went to Bryant Park. The lady, I kid you not, got out of the trailer, looked at me, left. What? And I was like, okay, cool. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, something, okay, um, maybe she just went in to get a, you know, my stuff, my bulletin board or whatever. She never asked for my name. She never nothing. But I'm like, maybe she knows I'm from FIT. So she comes out five minutes later with a t-shirt in hand. Again, still thinking, okay, this is the uniform. Okay, we are good. Comes out and then says the following. Oh, sweetie, I didn't know you were coming. Um, I'm so sorry, but um, we won't be needing you right now. Wow. And I'm like, oh, wait, oh, is, it, is it full? I'm still in denial here, obviously, because I don't want to think what I think it is. Right. Um, and she was like, um, and I was like, oh, is it full? I'm sorry. I didn't know. I didn't get a call or text message. I figured somebody would email me to tell me not to come, you know, downtown. At the time I was living basically near Harlem. So it was a trip. Um, wow. and, uh, she was like, no, no, no. It's just like, you know, um, they're just, it will be hard. And she tried to downplay it. She's like, it'll just be really hard for you to get around. And, you know, we're doing so many things. I mean, girl, it's, you'll be fine because you know what? This is a lot of work. You don't oh, want to be wow. doing this work. You know, you want to be like home and like, you know, you know, getting ready for school tomorrow. But like, you know, this is just like, leave this for like someone who like obviously has no life or whatever. And I was like, that is the rudest. Wow. I I broke down. I obviously, you know, left like a boss. And I was like, okay, cool. And I left. And when I got home, I completely broke down. And I was wow. like, that was the most slap in the face. And then that's where, like, the thoughts come in as far as, like, did I do a mistake? Right. You know, is this how it's going to be all the time as far as, you know, being in a world of fashion where everything is under 
a microscope, am I just too much of like a, a black spot on a white paper? Mm. You know, and it took me a while to kind of like pick myself up and be like, something in my heart and soul is telling me that this is just a bump and that's all it is. It's not a wall. It's just a bump. We just got to go over the bump and that's it and just keep it pushing. And I'm so grateful that I had at the time friends. And again, my family has always been there to, you know, comfort me and say, girl, cry it out if you need to cry it out. But this lady was a beep. And that is all that it is. <laughs> you know, I mean, the audacity, first of all, to basically reduce you in that moment to somebody who needs to just go home and prepare mm-hmm. for school. How do you now respond when you get, if you were to, if that was to happen today? For example, mm, girl. how would you respond? Mm. No, that don't play. Honey, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, catch me outside. That is not going to play. Catch me. No, 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 no. First of all, I would have read her. I would have told her her place. I would have said that that is the most ableist thing I've ever heard in my life. And that she needs to call my professor right now and tell that to her. Because mm. that don't, that does not fly. And if she thinks that this is okay, she needs to get fired. So, no, I am thankful that through all experiences that I've had um, in the past with dealing with people who are either ableist or just ignorant for that matter, not willing to change their actions or hold themselves accountable, that I am thankfully able to speak up and speak out loud. Obviously, in a professional matter where it's not rude or, you know, where I won't get like the backlash of it. But um, in a place where that's just not okay to sell, not even to tell myself, but to tell nobody. It's just no, it's just no. What would you tell 10-year-old Jillian about dealing with a world that will sometimes come at her crazy? I would definitely tell her that she is loved, that she is cared for, not only by her family, but a huge like almost impossible to imagine community of people that will be, you know, with her, behind her, surrounding her with, you know, affirmations, with manifestations, with just a full abundance of like positive energy because they know that younger Jillian will rebrand the conversation in a way where it is swallowable for the audience and actual make real, real change. We're going to take a quick break before we hear more from Jillian. Your outfit is about more than looking good. That's especially true of your shoes. Your footwear should be as unstoppable as you are, which is why Sorel Footwear has designed powerful shoes for those who get things done. From sneakers that move you around town to boots made for weathering any city storm or your next night out. Sorel Footwear is made to power you forward. Your existence is significant, even beyond the work that you do. I think you are a model of what it looks like to take up space, whether or not people want to give it to you. Hmm. And you, have, you are doing the work because you have the platform, Black Disabled Creatives. Yes. Tell us more about that. Yes. Oh, where do I begin? Um, well, this started, uh, this, you know, project in my mind started this year. Um, I think with the reintroduction is what I like to say of Black Lives Matter, because we've always had this conversation, but it has been heightened tenfold this year through social media, through video. Thank goodness for video. Um, thank goodness for audio. Thank goodness for a record button that we are able to 
have people be accountable even when they don't want to be. And with the reintroduction of Black Lives Matter, I was seeing a bunch of people that I was following on social media specifically talking about like, oh, here are the 10, you know, black owned artists or here are the 10 black owned restaurants, so on and so on. And somewhere along those lines, I was like, okay, where is a disability part now? When is it going to come out? When is it going to come out? When is it going to come out? And I just kept waiting for it and waiting for it and allowing other people to like, I guess, give me the answer that I was looking for. And I just didn't see it anywhere. So it's like, well, damn, Jillian, you're going to have to do something about it. And I, you know, sat down in my little notebook where I write a lot of my ideas and knew that people who are Black already are systematically oppressed all the time with everything. Yep. Doesn't matter. Breathing, honey. Breathing. Exactly. We show up and people mad. Yeah, exactly. We blink and people mad. <laughs> um, you know, we got a pimple and people get mad. So it's like you can't win. But it's you know, even with that notion, black people who are disabled are even even tenfold below that. Which surprise, surprise. And I knew a lot of people, a lot of my friends had a problem with finding jobs. Even before COVID, where uh, places would be like, oh, I'm sorry, Um, I know you signed up for this, you know, fill in the blank job, but you need to be in the office, Mm. you know? And they're like, cool. Um, Unfortunately, I can't because some people literally can't leave their homes. And there was uh, so many excuses for people to be in an office. And now with this pandemic, oh my God, look at that. Everyone is working from home. What? (laughs) And it's socially acceptable. I mean, this, you know, recording we're doing right now, it's in our homes. And I feel like once, you know, people who are not disabled get a situation where it hinders them or hurts them, then things change. And for the disability community, it's we've always had to like scream till our like tonsils came out right. to get the most minimal of respect. And so I was like, okay, what can I do? I mean, I wish I could give everybody jobs. I wish I could know people who are looking for jobs and connect them because um, that's what I do with my friends anyways. But I was like, okay, let me start with an Excel sheet. And I put on my social media using my platform to connect to everybody. And I said, if you identify as disabled, if you are black and you are creative, and I picked creative because I'm a creative, so it's a little easier for me to, um, you know, link, then send me, like, fill this form out. And the form was, like, super easy. It was, like, give me your name, give me your email, um, your profession or your career, your, you know, career path. And... um, that's it. <laughs> and I, you know, I put this uh, Excel sheet together and my purpose was to send this to as many brands that I've either worked with myself or friends who are in jobs like, you know, Yahoo and Google and MSNBC or, you know, whatever corporate America job. And then a friend of mine saw what I was doing and he's like, hey, you know, I'm a web developer, right? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, well, how about we make this really, 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 really cool and create an actual platform where we can kind of make this visually pretty for everyone. And then that's what we were, we went into making it so accessible for everyone. So the website checks off every single accessibility um, notion as far as like people who are blind can um, use it. 
people who are hard of hearing can use it. People, like every single, the colors um, are also accessible for the website. It's a place where people who are part of it can also build community within their profession. So if they're a painter and they're like, oh my God, somebody, you know, who's in my area also is a painter. Maybe I should reach out and like, you know, collaborate or something or talk about, you know, whatever they want to talk about. <laughs> and then there's that point where, you know, maybe a company like, I don't know, any company who is talking about diversity and inclusion can not only hire them in front of the scenes, but also in their office behind the scenes. Cause, oh yeah, we also can do that too. That is amazing. Yeah. That is so that's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Have you, have, have anybody like gotten back to you to say, Hey, I actually got a job or an opportunity from this? Yeah. There's been a lot of people who have written me saying, oh my God, like you have no idea this, you know, fill in the blank company reach out to me and I will have a job. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. There's been people who messaged me saying, where can I donate? Because I just hired really two cool people from your website. And the interesting part, I'm not taking donations at all. This is just me, you know, trying to be of service. And that is all, you know, trying to connect the dots together. And that is it. A labor of love. You know, just a little sprinkle of love nowadays because we sure need it. <laughs> Listen, we need like gulps of love. We need like oceans of love nowadays. <laughs> but it's been so, it's been so magical and beautiful to see that, you know, my one night that I couldn't sleep actually served a purpose to help hopefully, you know, in the future to help co- companies kind of wake up and understand that we exist and that we deserve the most simplest of respect and we deserve to be paid well. We deserve yes. to get health insurance. We deserve yes. to just be, period. Yes. Now it's time for our signature segment called Follow My Lead. This is something we do with every guest. I'll lead and all you have to do is complete the next three sentences. Ooh. So you ready? Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Excited. So- I feel my strongest when. Oh, Jesus, girl. Oprah. Come <laughs> on. Come on. This is Red Table Talk here. <laughs> I feel my strongest when. Oh, this is going to sound interesting, but I feel my strongest when I am extremely vulnerable, hmm. when I have no clothes on, when I have no makeup on, when yes. my braids are not even in and my little fro is out. When I am just in my own space and time by myself um, is when I feel the strongest. Love it. Okay. I want to step up when? I want to step up when I see, I hear, I listen to injustice, Mm. knowing that they are absolutely and utterly wrong. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. When I feel like I can't. I I drink a Corona. Just kidding. <laughs> Listen, all <laughs> are valid. <laughs> what was that again? Sorry. When I feel like I can't, oh, yeah. I. When I feel like I can't, I journal. I write mm. all my emotions out. I reread what I've written. I console with a close friend or a close red, red, red. Oh my God, I can't say that word. Family member. Um, and I check with my therapist. Ooh, come on, therapist. Mm-hmm. Listen, that mm-hmm. in itself is an arm. That's an armor of some sort. 
We need to we need to normalize therapy. Everyone needs therapy. Normalize therapy. That mm-hmm. I need I need that on a t-shirt. I need that on a billboard. Mm-hmm. I need that in people's Tattooed voice on my forehead. Tattooed on the forehead. Listen, it needs to be like a mantra. Normalize therapy. It's That's that simple. It's that simple because I think everybody would be much better if we're all in therapy. I think especially um, because I am Latina, I think that we have a lot of generational trauma that keeps mm. cycling again and again mm. and again. And in this case, recycling is not great. So oh. <laughs> we need to throw it in the landfill and start new. Because we carry out a lot of baggage that affects how we show up in the world and business yeah. to the people we love and I call mm-hmm. therapy gym for your mind. Yeah, it's exactly how you go to the spa to get that pimple out. It's exactly how, you know, you buy a new pair of shoes when it's broken. Therapy is that. That's what I'm saying. So what makes your community unstoppable? Mm-hmm. Oh, Oprah. Okay. <laughs> you um, see me with the questions, girl. I see you, girl. I see you. I see you <laughs> and I hear you. <laughs> What makes, I mean, all my communities, everything that I've identified, identify with, I think that it's beautiful when you can step out of your own perspective and, you know, view a whole world that other people may be fearful or confused is what I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and have an, an immense love for each and every person who has no matter what obstacle, no matter what rule book that you don't identify with that was given to you say within yourself you know I love myself I want to be with myself and I'm going to live my truth exactly how I want to live my truth um and if you're with me amazing and if you're not well you're going to miss out in a lot girl because it's a party over here yes and that's what makes I believe my you know communities unstoppable and that's what makes us you know so beautiful and adds like a color in the rainbow, a sparkle for that matter, because we all need it. We all need it. I call it noir pixie dust. The mm. magic that happens when, especially black women, mm-hmm. you know, come into a space. We, we're like glitter. Like once you meet us and interact with us and learn about our magic, we don't leave you. Honey, it There's is no spice. Way. It is spice to your dish. It yes. makes it savory. Everyone Extra likes seasoning. seasoning. Yeah, seasoning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. Extra seasoning. We give you all the Maggi. We give you the, yes. you know, the extra chicken bouillon cubes. You yes, know, we're the, we're the, we're bomb. the cubes. The cubes. <laughs> you know, the cubes is necessary, right? Oh, like, honey and anything and everything. Listen, on everything, on eggs, on all Girl, the things. All of the things. <laughs> so, what advice would you give to those who would want to take the step forward for their community? Well, um, I think that there is a big and beautiful privilege that we have at this moment of time now, which in hindsight, sometimes it could be scary, but I like to see the good in it, which is social media. It's how Mm -hmm. I started being an activist is how I started speaking my truth was to just post it. It, you don't, it doesn't matter if you have two followers. It doesn't matter if you don't even have followers. I think if you are willing within yourself to reach out, to speak your truth, to understand that you're not alone. I think it's important that people know that they're not alone. You know, it could seem like you're alone. I know when I was younger, I definitely felt like I was the only disabled person on this planet just because Mm. I didn't see it anywhere, um, which made it very, very harder. And um, when I was young, we had LiveJournal for all my folks out there. Listen, 
You know I know Live Journal because I was on Zanga. Girl, no. <laughs> I, my first blog was in 2003 hey. on Zanga. Yeah, so Zanga. I know Live Journal. Mm-hmm. Wow. I actually think I had Zanga, but I don't think I used it as much as I Live Journal. <laughs> um, wow, good old times. But you know, and it was like it was a way for us to speak to the world. Um, it was a way for us to speak our truths and you know, even if it was angsty at the time or whatever we were going through hormone-wise as a teenager, it was still building community. And I think for those who are listening, who want to be of service of others, who want other people to understand that, um, you know, they might need extra help in whatever category there is. And I think once you allow yourself to want to receive the love that you know that you deserve, yep. it builds and opens up a floodgate of people who will be there with you without even knowing you, who will listen to you, who will understand you, who will help you and give you resources to further on your conversation. But I think it all starts with within. I think before you jump into that and before you you know you do your first post or whatnot, I think it's important to sit with yourself and really understand how beautiful you are as an individual how yes. there's nobody on this planet, literally nobody yep. on yep. this planet that is you. Yes. Um, and that makes in itself, forget about social media, forget about anything, forget about career, forget about food, forget about the saison. Like that is magical in itself. Yes, you know? I love that. And once you've passed that in your mind, once you're like, you know it and you stamped it and you tattooed it, then everything else, I swear I will, in everything that I've ever done, can tell you that it gets so much better from there on. I'm here for that. And I think people really need to hear that type of affirmation. Yeah. There's literally nobody who is like, mm-hmm. you're like a fingerprint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're like a fingerprint. 100%. Jillian, thank you so much for being with us today. I am honored to exist in this time and playing with you. And I am inspired by how you are a woman who happens to have a disability mm-hmm. and how you are making this world better for the work that you do, for the way you show up and for just being you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And I also am so glad that you're in this plane with me as well. And for everyone who's listening, just know that we are all in this together, no matter where you are, no matter what planet you be from, because girl, aliens be, they be out here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, at this point, aliens are probably going to be like, Earth is ghetto. We don't want it. Honey. Honey. So, yeah. yeah, I understand. Let me, not, let me not just say something I'm going to regret later, but girl. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for listening to The Step by Pop Sugar. A huge shout out to Sorel making powerful footwear for powerful people. You can find The Step by Pop Sugar at popsugar.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, share with friends, and tune in next week. This episode of The Step by Pop Sugar is presented by Sorel, powerful footwear for unstoppable individuals. 